Let's do what we do. I like that. Good morning, everyone. How are we? So that just video that we just watched is talking about Every Nation's World Conference that happens every three years. We're part of a global ministry, Catherine mentioned. It's called Every Nation. We emphasize church planting, world missions, and campus ministry. And every three years, all of our churches gather together for a four-day or three-day party at a conference. There's preaching, there's music. Um, this is going to be the last world conference that's in North America for several years now. I don't think there's going to be another one in North America for the next 12 years, I believe. So y'all, we can drive to Orlando. Plus, guess what? Disney World, right? I mean, come on. If the conference doesn't get you, Disney World. All right, it's going to be great. Jason and I have had the have good fortune to be at several of those. And it, I'm telling you, when, when we do like the little March of Nations and people come in in their um, national dress from whatever country they're from, and the flag, I get choked up thinking about it right now, the flags waving and brothers and sisters from all over the world that are there together. It's like nothing I've ever experienced. And it's just a little piece of heaven, right? Every tribe and every tongue. So if you want to know more about that World Conference coming up in July, talk to us and we can help you get there. Okay? All right. I didn't introduce myself. If we haven't met, my name is Amy Hubbard. Um, my husband Jason and I are a part of the leadership team here at High Point. I'm so excited to get to speak to you this morning, continuing our series on the original Christmas classic. Um, Andy and Amy, our lead pastors, are out of town this weekend. They're at a family reunion, so we wish them well. I think they're driving home today, so hopefully that is all going well. You know, there's so much special about this time of year. Who loves Christmas? I mean, you don't have to. It's okay. I know there's pressure to love Christmas. Not everybody is into all of the things, right? But I'll confess, I, I love it. I'm 100% Christmas all the time, all the things. I love it all. There is a lot that's special, a lot to look forward to. We gather with friends and family. We have special traditions that we celebrate together. There's parties. There's fun things to see and do. There's great food to eat. And I haven't even gotten to the whole point that we celebrate Christmas, right? <laughs> there, is, there is a reason behind it, right? We celebrate Jesus. We remember his coming. We celebrate his presence in us and with us. It's amazing to celebrate the incredible way that Jesus was born. One of my cr favorite Christmas carols is O Holy Night. And one of the lines that I love the most from that uh, is where it says, A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I just like that. But if I'm being honest with y'all, and you know me, I'm usually going to be honest with y'all. I sometimes feel more of the weary than I do of the thrill this time of year. Can anyone relate to that? This can be a stressful time of year. There's a lot going on. Think about it. You have all of your normal everyday responsibilities that you always have all through the year, right? You're working. Some of you are going to school. Some of you are working and going to school. You're taking care of your home. You're paying the bills. Um, if you've got children, you're raising your children. If you've got pets, you're taking care of those. Also, at the same time, during this season of the year, 
You're expected to decorate your entire house and transform it completely outside and in. In our neighborhood, if you don't have Christmas lights up by like December 10th, you start getting the stink eye when you're out getting your mail. People kind of drive by, they look at your house and they look at you and the, it's like the walk of shame back into your house, right? So not only decorate the inside and cut down a live tree and put it inside your house and decorate it, you got to do the outside too. So you decorate your house. You are buying gifts for literally every single person you've ever met in your whole life. From the mailman to your, your kid's teacher, if you've got kids, to everybody you've ever known. And then some people you don't because there's like a secret Santa thing, right? So you're buying gifts for everyone you've ever met. Um, uh, you're attending uh, extra work parties and functions. If you're a parent, your kid uh, has a bajillion, that's an actual figure that I counted up in my own life, a bajillion extra events to attend. Sometimes that you have to take off work for, sometimes after work. Um, there's just a lot going on. Oh, 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 and I forgot. You are sending Christmas cards to literally every person you've ever known. Now, and I'll talk more about this later, but here's ours. Now, you might be thinking, oh, hang on a second. I must not be on Amy's Christmas card list because I haven't gotten one of these yet. You know what? Nobody's gotten one of these yet. <laughs> no one. It's December 16th. You know where these are? They're sitting in a stack on my kitchen table. I am winning at Christmas. So if it doesn't happen this year, take a good look. <laughs> you have Merry Christmas, okay? From the Hubbards, Merry Christmas. There we go. No, I'm going to do it, please. I'm going to try. We're going to try. We'll see what happens. But do you all hear what I'm saying? We want it to all be special. We want it to all be memorable. We want it to be fuzzy and warm and cozy and all of that. But this is real life, right? And sometimes along with all the fun and the special stuff comes extra stress. There's financial pressure, like Philip talked about. Sometimes there's relational strain. Sometimes we want to have these warm and fuzzy together moments with our family and our extended family. And then we remember, oops, I actually don't like some of my extended family all that much. I know. Is that just me? It's hard to be around some of these people. Now I remember why I only see them once or twice a year. <laughs> so we try to have these special Christmas moments. But sometimes life can get in the way. Sometimes it just comes by us looking around and comparing our situation with what we think other people's situation is. See, there's a cultural pressure around Christmas for things to be happy all the time, for things to be perfect all the time. Now, keep in mind, when I talk about the cultural pressure of Christmas, I'm not talking about Jesus being incarnated into human flesh and, and coming into the world so that we would have a way to the Father. And we're going to talk more about that. What I'm talking about right now is all the extra stuff that we add in into this season. Now, remember I already said, I'm here for all of it. I love it. But at the same time, it can wear you slap out. Is anyone else feeling that way right now? How many of you, as you were sitting here, were thinking about the things you need to get done? Grace, my nine-year-old, yesterday was like, Mom, we don't have a single gift wrapped under the tree. We are so behind. And I'm like, number one, yes, I know. And number two, she's never wrapped a single gift in her life. It's not like by bringing it up, she's offering to help, right? So whatever. Someone's getting a lump of coal in their stocking. 
So there's this cultural pressure for everything to be happy and perfect at Christmas time. There's such an emphasis on family and beauty and warmth. And so we feel that pressure and we see that represented. And so we strive to attain all of that at this time of year, all while juggling the everyday regular stuff that we have going on. So that whole thing in my life, and I would bet in some of yours, creates a kind of dissonance, a kind of tension in our own hearts. I call this the Christmas gap. And I'm not talking about where you go to buy your skinny jeans, you know, with everything's 50% off or whatever. The Christmas gap. The Christmas gap is what happens when we feel the distance between what we wish was happening in our lives and the reality of what actually is happening in our lives. And the gap is always there. There always is a tension maybe between what we wish was happening in our lives and the reality of what really is. But I would submit to you for your consideration that we feel it even more at Christmas time because of that whole cultural pressure thing that I talked about. You hear what I'm saying? So there's something about this season that makes us look at our lives, that makes us evaluate our lives for issues, things that we would normally just ignore or gloss over. They're magnified to us for some reason at Christmas time. Part of it is because we get people's adorable Christmas cards in the mail, like the one I just showed you that maybe you'll get in the mail. We'll see. And we think to ourselves, wow. What a happy family. They look great. They're all color coordinated. They're, they, they, everyone's smiling. Or maybe it's somebody's vacation pictures that they went on. They went to Cabo. And you're like, I didn't go to Cabo. You know, I went to Target for my summer vacation. You know, we watch uh, Hallmark Christmas movies. Does anyone watch Hallmark? Which are awful, but in the most wonderful way. Do you hear what I'm saying? I love to, I know, some of you guys in here are like, oh my gosh, but I'm sorry. Do you watch Die Hard every Christmas? Yes, you do. So you watch cheesy movies at Christmas too. Thank you very much. Jason tears up at these cheesy movies just as much as me. <laughs> okay, we watch movies on Netflix like A Christmas Prince, and we think, why can't I marry a prince from a fictional European country. Just once. Just once. Why can't I all of a sudden be princess of a magical place that's always Christmas? Why doesn't that ever happen to me? Right? These movies are portraying Christmas in a way that most of us will never experience. And these Christmas cards, if you've ever sent one out like this, you know the work it takes to get everybody wearing something halfway decent. This picture we took the day after Nate's birthday, and I'm pretty sure that I threatened to take away all the birthday gifts that we'd just given him. If he did not just put this shirt on and everybody brushed their hair and get in the car, we're going to take this picture, right? In fact, I put, if Jenny, if you'll put a couple of pictures up. Online, there's some hilarious <laughs> Christmas card outtakes. If you Google image search, there's some really funny like, that's real life. I don't know how well you can see this, but those little boys are fighting and screaming at each other. The dogs are going nuts. The dad is just like, I don't even know. That's, <laughs> that is reality. And then the last picture shows, this is some of the um, 
the stuff we see on Netflix. Look, there he is. Where, why have, where's the Christmas prince? Where's the, where's the fake country that I get to go to? I know, I know. Don't take it personally. It's not, it's fine. It's good. We're, we're good. We're good. You know, we hold up this image, right, that we want to experience at Christmas. But it's not real, right? But we feel this gap. We feel this Christmas gap between our expectations and reality. And that's some kind of funny stuff that we can laugh at because I will watch a Hallmark Christmas movie all day, every day this time of year. But there are some things in my own life that I confront at the holidays that I feel that gap. Recently at Thanksgiving, uh, Jason and I and our kids, we went to my hometown in Florida. It was my parents' 50th anniversary, and so we celebrated Thanksgiving together, and then we threw a big 50th anniversary party for my mom and dad, which was great. But I felt the gap during that time because at this anniversary party, I had to be around some family members, extended family. Don't go through Facebook and try to, like, who, she, who was she talking about? They're not. It's that are hard for me to be around. That seeing them reminds me of painful things that have happened in the past in my own family, of hurt that they have caused uh, my parents and people that I love. And it was difficult. It brought up in me being there in the holidays and seeing them at Thanksgiving brought up some things in me that most of the year I don't even think about. And I'd be willing to bet that some of, some of you are, are kind of dealing with that gap as well. That during the holidays, you see, peop, you see family members or people that uh, are part of your life. And it just stirs up those feelings in you of, of past hurts, of things that haven't been reconciled, of, of things you haven't ever really gotten over. Christmas, like Catherine talked about, can be hard for people sometimes because they are feeling that gap, that tension, that distance between how my life really is and how it should be or how I wish it was. I met a woman this past Monday night. I was at a Christmas party, another event to go to and take something to, right, at this time of year. I was at a Christmas party for a a community group that I'm a part of, and and I'm just talking to her, and we're chit-chatting, and she said something about her son, and so I said, oh, well, you know, how many kids do you have? And she kind of pauses, and I'm I'm thinking, "Uh uh-oh, did I say something? You know, did I, what did I say? She said, well, I had, I had two kids. Um, Ten years ago, the week before Christmas, we were in a terrible car accident, and we were all, you know, very gravely injured, but my, my daughter died in the car accident and, uh, at 10 years old. So her 10-year-old daughter is killed in a car accident the week before Christmas. I mean, how do you, how do you come back from, from that, right? And so we're just talking, and I'm just saying, goodness, this must make, that must make this time of year really difficult for you. And she said, yeah, you know, I used to just go all out at Christmas time, um, decorate the whole house. She said, we don't really celebrate Christmas anymore. She said, I, ha- I used to have a huge tree and all the decorations. She said, it's all in the basement now. We just, she said, it's too hard. We just don't really get all that stuff out. And, you know, I thought about it. This dear lady misses her daughter, I'm sure, every single day. Doesn't matter if it's Christmas or the middle of summer, but she feels it all the more at Christmas time because the, the whole portrayal that we see in our culture of family and warmth and together, 
what she sees is her loss and her pain. So this reminds us um, that life is messy, right? Doesn't matter what time of year. Life is messy, and sometimes the holidays can get messy too. So we take that reality. We take our reality. And sometimes we can hold it up to the reality, to uh, the way the birth of Jesus is portrayed, right, in our culture. And we see baby Jesus all snug and warm and that sweet-smelling hay, which I don't really think was sweet-smelling, y'all. Come on. But this is what years of portrayal, the birth of Jesus. It looks so cozy and warm in the little barn and the animals, and they look so fuzzy. They probably smelled too. Have you ever been in a barn so we think of that little happy scene and we think, how can that baby, how can that little infant in the hay all wrapped in swaddling clothes, how, how can that relate to my life here and now? Sometimes it can be hard to relate the message of Christmas and the, or the story of Christmas to our own mess, right? And I want to show you guys in a moment... This series is the original Christmas classic. So each week we're taking a clip from a different classic Christmas movie. And the clip I chose for today is from the movie Home Alone. The Christmas. I mean, come on. How many of you have seen Home Alone? It is, it is, it's a good one. I rewatched this again with Grace a couple weeks ago. It is, it is so good. But there's a scene I want to show you where Kevin is... Little Kevin, remember, eight years old. His family goes to Paris without him. I was joking with the kids that you could not make this movie now in the days of cell phones. The movie would be about 90 seconds long. The family leaves to the airport. Kevin wakes up, texts his mom. Hey, mom, you left me at home. Send. Mom, oh, no, sorry, we're coming home. The end. Roll credits. So... If you're not familiar with the movie Home Alone, Kevin's family, big family, they leave for a trip, a Christmas trip to Paris. And Kevin oversleeps in all the chaos of leaving and getting to the airport. They forget him. They leave him home and he's home alone, right? So at first he's overjoyed. He's thrilled. He can't believe his luck to have the whole house to himself. He eats what he wants. He watches uh, TV he shouldn't watch. He eats ice cream. He has a great time. But then the Christmas gap kicks in. And he sees all these families together. He sees the lights. He starts to miss his family. He starts to look at his life and evaluate the way things really are for him versus the way he wishes they were. And there's a scene where he goes on Christmas Eve into this church. And the church choir is preparing and practicing for the church service later that night. And he sees his neighbor. Do you remember this part? Old man Marley, who, sees it, who's he, who he is terrified of. And the conversation they have I love because to me it illustrates the Christmas gap. So, Jenny, can we roll that beautiful bean footage? Okay.
Right. I love that. And to me, it illustrates there's a moment, maybe every time the holiday season, where you've got a moment of quiet, a moment of reflection. And I love when he says, I really haven't been too good this year. You know, I'm like, same. That is, as Ava, my 15-year-old, say, mood. That is a mood, right? I have not been too good this year. There's something about Christmas that makes us, just like Kevin did in the movie, reflect on our lives and our relationships. And this season, if we let it, okay, it can make us feel discontented and alone. And so instead of experiencing the joy and the relief that Jesus has come to the world, the thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices, instead of experiencing that, we're just frustrated and alone. This is where Jesus literally comes in. He meets us in that gap. Not that he makes our life become a Hallmark Christmas movie or a perfect, you know, Christmas card photo to send out, but he meets us where we are in our reality, not our imagined ideal reality. He meets us where we are, wherever we are. He is the Prince of Peace. I want us to read a passage from um, John chapter 1. Or no, I'm sorry. First, we're going to do Isaiah chapter 9. And this is um, a prophecy about the coming of Christ hundreds and hundreds of years before it was to happen. But I love uh, the way this is portrayed. So let's look at this. This is Jesus coming into the gap. It says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The government, his government, and its peace will never end. Now there is so much there, but to me, the promise of that is so powerful. And if you read a little bit about the context of who I, the people that Isaiah was speaking to at that time, he's speaking to us as well. But those people at that time of the writing were oppressed and basically held captive by, by Babylonian and Assyrian kings. And so they were quite literally living in a land of deep darkness, like that passage says. But you and I sometimes, we may not be held captive, you know, in a physical way. But we can feel like we're in darkness, whether it be spiritual darkness, whether it be um, financial darkness, relational, maybe darkness with our, our workplace. We can feel that. And this scripture says a light will shine. A child will be born to us and the, the government will rest upon his shoulders. And it says that he is the prince of peace. Now, this might be obvious, but have you ever thought about that? 
we wouldn't actually need a Prince of Peace if we were already living idyllic, like peace-filled lives. We wouldn't need that. The very fact that one of the main descriptors of Jesus is Prince of Peace tells us something, that we all are feeling, feel, feeling the gap. It's not just me comparing myself to all of you and you comparing yourself to, to maybe what you think my life is. We all are in this together. We are, we are down in the gap. We are feeling the lack that we experience in our own lives, the lack of peace, the, the frustration, sometimes the fear, the, the relationships that we can't figure out how to fix. That's where we need the Prince of Peace to come in and to fill us with his peace. When Jesus entered our world and put on human flesh, he was stepping in to a sin-ravaged war zone, right? It was not the adorable, cozy uh, nativity scene that we see and that we think of when we think of Christmas. Jesus was born to a virgin in a small backwater town and, and, and born in a manger because he had to enter this earth covertly because there were people that wanted to kill him. So this beautiful story that we now have as our Christmas story happened because he was entering into the gap, okay? That distance between God's ideal and reality. That's where he was, he was born. King Herod and others would have killed baby Jesus instantly if they could have just found where he was. And we've romanticized the birth of Jesus to the extent that it's easy to forget. But then God warns Joseph, or the angel Gabriel warns Joseph in a dream, hey, you got to get out of here. And so Joseph, Mary, and Jesus flee as refugees to Egypt. And they stay there for years because Herod wants to kill Jesus and probably them as well. Our Jesus knows a little bit about living in less than ideal circumstances. He knows the gap because he was born into it. So if you are feeling that distance today, can, can we all just take heart and know that Jesus was born into that reality too? He lived it just like we do. Now let's look at John chapter 1. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture ever. This whole John chapter 1 is such a beautiful piece of writing, and it's so profound. Let's look at verses 10 through 14. It says, He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. You know, we could just live inside those four verses for months and just talk about all the richness that's there. I, what I love is that verse 14 that says, So he, the word became human and made his home among us. The message translation says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that so much. 
the word became flesh and blood and moved right next door to you, moved into your neighborhood. Jesus came into the gap alongside you and me, into our frustration, into our sin, into our brokenness. He came to live with us and to meet us in that gap. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So if this time of year causes you to evaluate, maybe you sit in, the, maybe you sit in church just like Kevin does in the movie, and you're like, oh, man, I don't know. Sometimes I like my family. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> Sometimes I'm good. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes that sense can be alienating and make us feel alone. But the message of Christmas is this, that Jesus meets us right there in that feeling, right there in that gap. The mentality of the gap, the Christmas gap, would have you buy into the lie that you can never measure up, that your life will lack peace because of what you don't have. None of us, I'm sorry, will get to be a prince or a princess of a made-up uh, country that always has snow and mountains, okay? It's probably not going to happen. But in all seriousness, this is a time of year where often we look around and we see what we do not have. We, have, we, we see others with family that we don't have. We see others with the ability to buy elaborate and uh, extravagant gifts, and, and we don't have that. We see others who can beautifully decorate and welcome people into their home, and our living room couch is covered in laundry. That is an autobiographical statement, just so you know. <laughs> but the mentality of the gap and of this time of year sometimes can, can hold us down in that place where we feel alienated and alone, where we look at our lives, and instead of seeing that Jesus has moved into the neighborhood, we focus on what we don't have. We focus on our lack, our frustrations. Is anybody relating to this? Or am I just preaching to myself? Because a lot of days, that's where I live. And I need to remember, hey, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The, the uh, original language from that, ver uh, from that passage where it says made his dwelling, the, the Hebrew word means that he pitched a tent. It's like he came with his stuff and made a home. Jesus did with you and with me. So if we're feeling this sense of this gap, maybe not just at Christmas, maybe at any time, but sometimes at Christmas we feel it more, what do we do? Well, as I was preparing this, I thought about a story told in one of my favorite TV shows ever. It's called The West Wing. If you like The West Wing, come talk to me after because I have lots to say about it, but I don't have time for that now. So in the West Wing, one of the characters, one of the main characters, is dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder and struggling and having a difficult time. And one of his friends comes to him and tells him a story. And he says, there was this man who's walking along and falls into a deep, dark hole. And he's alone down there. And he can't get out. The walls are steep. He can't, they're too steep for him to climb. There's no way to get out. It's dark. And he's, he's alone down there. He's looking up, and at the, he can see at the street level, a doctor walks by. And so the man in the hole calls out, hey, doctor, 
can you help me, please? And so the doctor writes a prescription on a piece of paper and throws it into the hole and goes on. Then later, a priest walks by. The man shouts out, Father, help me. The priest writes a prayer on a piece of paper and throws it into the hole. And then the man in the hole sees a friend walk by, and he shouts out, Hey, Joe, I'm stuck down here. Please help me. And the friend jumps into the hole. And the man says, Are you stupid? What did you do that for? Now we're both stuck down here. And the friend says, Yeah, but I've been down here before, and I know the way out. The truth of Jesus coming into the world says this. I am with you in the gap. I have been down here before. And I know the way out. Follow me. This doesn't mean that Jesus fixes all the things necessarily that we would like him to fix about our lives. The way that we want them fixed, right? What, what it means is that he is our Prince of Peace. That he brings his peace to what feels messy and broken. He brings wholeness to you and to me. That the most perfect Christmas experience, the most beautiful fireplace and decorated Christmas tree, the most ideal hallmarky ending could never ever give. So... As I begin to close, I just want to remind me and you that the Christmas story, okay, the real Christmas story, reminds us and shows us that light comes into the darkness. Do you know that light is an offensive move? And that I'm, by that I mean that it pushes, darkness doesn't push light. Darkness does not overcome light. You never hear that said, right? You never hear that all of a sudden the darkness just drowned the light out. No, it's the light that drowns out the darkness. It's the light that pushes it back. Even a small light, even the barest flicker from a match can push the darkness. The light's pushed back. The Lord comes near to us right where we are. The word moves into your neighborhood. So I say, and I, if you love all the cultural Christmas stuff, the, the songs and the, the sleigh rides or the whatever else it is, go for it. Do all of the things. Do it all if you want to do it. I love to. I love to watch Elf. I love to, you know, do all the fun stuff. But when you feel the tension, when you feel the tension of the gap, right, that frustration, that distance calling out to you, and making you feel alone and, and far from what you wish was reality. Remember that Jesus bridged the gap. Jesus was born into the gap. Jesus leads us out of it. Today's kind of big idea is that we experience the true peace of Christmas when we decide to follow Jesus, even in the messiness of our everyday lives. As we begin to close, as I was thinking about this, um, you know, we often talk about bring your worries and your cares to Jesus. Bring them to, bring them to God, right? And, and that's biblical. The scriptures do say, cast your cares upon Jesus, for he cares for you. But what I want you to think about today and me as we close, 
I want you to think about not just bringing your things and your mess to Jesus, but inviting Jesus into your mess and your things. Because remember we talked about that Jesus was born into the gap and he came into it. There's a difference between me coming over to, to Sarah's house to spend time with her and me opening up my house and allowing Sarah in to see it as it is in all its glory or lack thereof, right? Can, you, can we do that this morning? Can we invite Jesus into our gap, into the lack that we feel, into the brokenness that maybe we're experiencing, into the, the things that we wish were one way and instead are another? He knows and he sees. And the miracle and the message of Christmas is that he wants to move right on in alongside us and meet us right there and give us peace in the midst of that. Can we pray together as we close? A lot of times we have you guys stand. I just want you to go ahead and be, just stay seated today because I just want us to take a moment and for you to just visualize it as not you bringing your stuff to Jesus who's maybe far away and distant, but opening the doors of your heart and allowing him in. That he comes to you, that the word moves into your neighborhood. So if you've felt frustration this season, if you've felt brokenness, if you've felt pain, if things are just not what you wish they were, Lord, we welcome you into that. If there's family get-togethers coming up that you're kind of dreading because you're going to have to see people that are difficult or you're going to have to have conversations that are not easy to have, Lord, we welcome you into that. If there's brokenness in our families or fear in our finances, Lord, we welcome you into that. If our life simply just does not look like what we thought it was going to look like at this season, at this time, if it is just not what we thought it would be by now, Lord, we welcome you into that. Jesus, I thank you that you are the word made flesh living with us, that you came near I thank you, Jesus, that you close the gap, God, between what we wish our life was and what it really is. And God, we thank you that our life is a gift. Even if it doesn't look like what we thought it would or should, that life that, God, you've gifted us with a life to live, with people to love, Lord, with things to do that you've called us to. And so, God, help us to welcome you into that and then to go forward and live the life that you've given us, God. Not, the, not a strive for a life that we wish we had. Jesus, we welcome you today. Come into our mess. We throw our front door open wide for you to see it all. Be with us today. And Father, I just pray that we would each experience the true 
peace that only you can give, from the Prince of Peace, that we would experience wholeness and joy right where we find ourselves. Help us to see the good things you've done in our midst and the good things you are doing. And Lord, may that be our focus and not the gap at Christmas time. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for being made flesh. Thank you for moving into the neighborhood. We love you. We're so lucky to be your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. Now, I want to encourage you to go today to when the stress, because I know when I'm going to go home, you know what I'm going to see on the kitchen table? Those Christmas cards. And I'm just going to take a deep breath and thank Jesus for his peace. And so whatever it is that you are facing, it, it, may, not, it may be something a lot more serious than Christmas cards, right? It probably is. To in that moment, take a breath and thank him for his peace. He is with us. He is right down in here with us. And that is the glory and the meaning of Christmas. Amen? Amen. Thanks for being here today. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week for our Christmas Eve Eve service. Yes. All right. Have a great day.